It is good to be here with you today. Maybe a little bit safer territory than where we were when we last met. But it's good to be here. I'd like to uh, thank Pastor Van Gelderen for allowing me to speak and to be here with you today. And uh, it's just a blessing to hear that congregational singing. It blessed my heart. And I hope that the word of God will be a blessing to you as we minister in word. Take your Bible and go with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm not going to say much about myself because the slide presentation, if you were there, uh, said much about how I came to know the Lord. And so really, I, I'd like to just get into the word of God today. But again, it's, it's good to be here with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'd like to bring a message today entitled, Pray Without Ceasing. Pray Without Ceasing. And of course, you probably already know what my text verse is for this message. The subject of prayer has really gotten a hold of my heart recently. This verse has gotten a hold of me in a deeper way. And it's one of those verses that can be so familiar to us that we forget to obey it. And we move on throughout our life knowing that we're commanded to pray without ceasing. And we really don't live in that reality. And so I want to say from the start that Prayer can be hard. I'm speaking personally. Okay, I'm being as transparent as I can be with that. It can be hard at times to pray without ceasing. I'll go even a step further. I don't always feel like praying, if the truth be told. Yet we are told in verse number 17, we are commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. I want to say that I believe this morning that we are not where we need to be on prayer. I care not how much you prayed today or yesterday or last week. We don't pray enough. And we must get stronger in prayer. I believe it's one of those things that is grievously neglected in our walk with God. That idea of praying without ceasing. We have to learn to pray. And in the midst of all of the books about prayer, in the midst of all of the teaching about prayer, the instruction, the sermons on prayer, we just need to get down to the business of doing it. The disciples said, Teach us to pray, not how to pray, but get us actually doing it. And so we need to pray. When we're born into this world, what do we know? We, we really know nothing when we're born. We have to learn everything. And uh, three of my daughters are here. Justine's over here. April's over there. And Lois is a little bit back from her. And then I've got a two-year-old at home named Ruth, and she was definitely a surprise. Uh, but when she was born, she knew nothing, has to learn everything, and it's been a blessing to see it. When my other three girls here were uh, 
that stage in life, we were so busy with church planting and we had no help. A church planter is the janitor. He's the decorator. He's the, you know, the preacher, the, the chair straightener, the usher. The list goes on and on. And so there's a lot of things that I'm seeing in Ruth that I don't remember seeing with the other girl. She has to learn everything. She knows nothing. When we're born again, we know nothing. And we have to learn this lesson, especially to pray without ceasing. Things looked bleak for the children of George Mueller's orphanage at Ashley Downs in England. It was time for breakfast and there was no food. And a small girl whose father was a close friend of Mueller was visiting in the home. Mueller took the little girl by the hand. They had no food. Mueller took the little girl by the hand and said, let's see what our father will do. And they went to the dining room, long tables set with plates that were empty and mugs that were empty. And not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there was no money in the home's bank account. Mueller prayed over food that wasn't there. Such faith. He prayed, dear father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. Immediately there was a knock at the door. When they opened it, there stood the local baker. Mr. Mueller I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt that you had no bread for breakfast. So I got up at two o'clock in the morning and baked fresh bread. Here it is. Mueller thanked the baker and the baker and, of course, praised God. Soon a second knock was heard. Now, listen, these aren't just stories. If you haven't read the diary of George Mueller, you need to get a hold of that book. These aren't just stories. These are accounts. Of God's blessing upon this man in response to him praying without ceasing. A second knock was heard. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. He said, Mr. Mueller, I've got to empty the cart so I can repair it. Can you use all of this milk? Pray without ceasing. You need that. Let's ask God's blessing and then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help me to preach your word. I pray, God, that I might be a blessing to these young people that are training for the ministry. And Lord, as they prepare for the summer, as they prepare for uh, a change of pace, perhaps, I ask, God, that you would help them to get a hold of this, that it would get a hold of them as it has reached my heart. And Father, I pray that your word would do the work, that the power in your word would break any hard hearts and show us our need to pray without ceasing. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some 415 times in the Bible, we are instructed to pray. The context of this verse is important. Paul is writing to a church that he was influential in starting, and I can't imagine how Paul could go to a place as a church planner, go to a place, spend about a month there, and leave a church. Uh, the church was very fragile because of that, 
And they were also under persecution, the church at Thessalonica. And um, among other things, they needed encouragement. They needed encouragement as a young church. And so Paul wrote to them to encourage them. He mentioned, of course, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the letter, he's giving commands. And one of those commands that would help to keep them encouraged if you're down today is to pray without ceasing. Paul in his epistles mentioned prayer 25 times. Pray. It's good to read about prayer. We need those lessons in in our doctrinal classes about prayer. But we need to pray. 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 God wants his people to pray. And it's a good deal because he answers prayer. (laughs) He wants me to pray. He wants to answer prayer. And I want it. You say, why? Because I want things from God. And I get things from God. I do. I believe in prayer. My bank account is not very big, but his bank account is endless. For those who pray without ceasing. By context study, we understand more about this church and why they needed prayer, which really is the same reason we need prayer. We need encouragement. We get down. Life is not always easy. And so instead of talking to yourself, which is always a bad deal to talk when you are discouraged, you're having problems and you sit down and you talk to yourself about yourself. And then you start uh, thinking about a reply that, 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 that isn't biblical, that isn't right. No, God said, don't talk to yourself. Talk to me. We need to double down on prayer. That's what I'm saying. And and, and listen, no doubt there are some students here that have gotten a hold of this. You pray and and, and to the best of your ability, you pray without ceasing. I'm saying even to you, double down on prayer. You need more. We're coming into evil, desperate times for the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And. You're going to prepare to go out into the ministry. If I could give you any practical advice, it would be pray without ceasing. You need God as you go out into this abyss of sin. Independent Baptist churches are collapsing today like a house of cards. And the devil wants you. He's got a plan to take you out. He would destroy me today if he could. Prayer in the early church was first, not second. It was the main thing. We must find more ways to pray. That's the practical challenge, too, I want to leave with you. Find more ways to pray. Get inventive with ways to pray. Well, have we become too sophisticated that we can't see a need even in the hallway and say, let's pray about it? Not to be seen of men. But if we become too structured in our in our schedule that we can't find another student or two and say it's not scheduled, it's not required, but let's break away and pray together. 
More prayer is needed for our soul winning efforts. There were five college men who happened to be visiting in London many years ago, and they had heard about the famed preacher C.H. Spurgeon. And so they wanted to visit his church. While they were waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man that said, gentlemen, how are you today? Would you like to see our church heating plant? And the college students, they didn't want to be rude. It was a very hot July day. They weren't interested in seeing the church heating plant, but they finally consented so they would not offend the stranger. The young men were taken down a stairway. A door was quietly opened and their guide whispered, this is our heating plant. And in front of those college students, there were 700 people on their knees praying underneath the auditorium for the service that was about to take place upstairs. And surprise, they began to understand what the church heating plant meant. Softly closing the door, the gentleman introduced himself. It was none other than C.H. Spurgeon. My friend, do you have a heating plant? Pray without ceasing. We're not unlike Spurgeon in our, our needs. We have the same needs. We're trying to reach a lost world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, keep our own lives straight. Keep our own minds straight. Man, how dare we not pray without ceasing? Can I go a step further and say you're flirting with insanity to try to do this work without prayer? You'll drive yourself crazy. 18-year-old Hudson Taylor wandered into his father's library and read a gospel tract, and he could not get away from what that gospel tract said. And finally, he fell to his knees right in his father's library. And received Jesus Christ as his savior. Later, his mother, who had been away, returned home. And he was excited to tell his mother the news that he was now a redeemed child of God. And when he told her, she said, I already know. And he said, how do you know? She said, 10 days ago to the very date on which you tell me you read that tract. I was impressed to pray for you for the entire afternoon that you would come to know the Savior, and the Lord brought assurance to my heart that you would be brought into the fold. These are accounts of prayer without ceasing. We don't take prayer as seriously as we should. We just don't. We know it's there. We know we, we need to do it. We know, but, but listen, what a privilege which is ours. To go to the Father and to ask in Jesus' name and to know that he'll, he'll work miracles. Don't let the miracles just stay locked in the pages of Scripture. He wants you to see miracles right where you are so that you don't start thinking, what's it worth to serve God? What's it worth doing right and, and looking right and trying to be right? I think I'll just run into a hole. I've heard Christians say that. I'm just going to go run into a hole. But when you get God's strength and God's power through prayer, you don't want to go run into a hole. I'm not running into a hole. God's given us a great door in Chicago. The great city of Chicago. 
And he worked in the day of Moody. He worked in the days of Billy Sunday. He worked in the days of R.A. Torrey right there in the city of Chicago. And there's a great door before us. And I'm not discouraged. I want to go through that door. Where does that strength and enthusiasm and zeal come from? Not from within. Never from within. It comes in response to prayer. Prayer without ceasing. We can't do anything without God. Just looking over the message and praying last night and, of course, praying this morning and acknowledging to God that there is nothing inside of Courtney Lewis that can make this chapel service be what it ought to be. Nothing inside of me that can stir your heart to pray without ceasing. Nothing that can cause one college student to have a greater prayer life. Nothing that can convince one lost sinner to be saved. Nothing. I can do nothing. I must pray. And so must you. We should notice that this is a command, not a suggested request. The early African converts to Christianity were very regular and earnest in their devotions. One reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pray. And he encouraged the other converts to have spots in the thickets where they could get alone with God and pray and pour out their hearts. Over time, the paths to those well-known places where they would pray would become well-worn. And as a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. And they would kindly remind the negligent one, brother, the grass grows on your path. The grass grows on your path. I wonder how many of you today, it could be said of your prayer path. The grass is growing on your path. Get back to pray without ceasing. The challenge from this text is about our attitude of prayer. It's an attitude to pray without ceasing, always ready to commune with God, always ready to communicate with him. I'm calling you today, those of you that are serious, those of you that really want to serve God, those of you that aren't just here because mama said go to Bible college, because daddy said go to Bible college. I'm talking, if one person in this meeting could grab what I'm saying it's made the trip worth it. I'm talking about a fundamental change in the way you approach prayer. One man said, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. That was Abraham Lincoln. I'm asking you to allow God to consume you on the altar prayer. I'm asking you to think about your needs. And if your needs are like mine, they are many and they are uh, varied in degrees, but they're needs, they're real needs. I might look at your needs and think they're silly. Think back in my Bible college days, how my needs compared to needs today seemed a little silly, but they're not silly to you. They're real needs. Pray without ceasing. Get with God 
for man that you might have the power to get with man for God. A change from a mechanical prayer life to a miraculous prayer life. The warfare out there is raging. We need soldiers who understand how to get a hold of their commander. To not feel like we're only in prayer mode when our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Prayer to guard your preacher. The one here and the one back home. Prayer to guard your family. Prayer to guard your church. We had a huge fight in Chicago a couple of years ago where the sodomite mayor, and I said sodomite, I defied her online, on video, I defied her to tell our church that we could not meet during COVID. You see, it wasn't an autonomous church making a out of concern to not meet. It was an outside entity telling us that we had to disobey a divine mandate. And we defied the mayor and she caught wind of it and personally singled out our church. And I don't have time to go through the story, but God gave us the victory. We did not stop meeting. God gave us the victory and took her out of office. You say, how was that battle fought and won? I'm telling you, it was through prayer. Prayer. Pray without ceasing. Midweek prayer meetings many times become just a a sermon and then four minutes of prayer tacked on to the end. And we call that our midweek prayer meeting. That's not a prayer meeting. I'm sorry. That's not a real prayer meeting. Pray before you eat, but that's not a prayer meeting. I, I, I wonder if, 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 if we had a raise of hands right now, how many of you spent 20 minutes in prayer today? I wonder, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many could. If, if I were to ask how many spent half an hour today in prayer, I wonder how many could raise their hand. And if you could raise your hand, you ought to be ashamed if that's all you pray. Pray without ceasing. The great reformer Martin Luther said, if I should neglect prayer but a single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith. Now, what do we say? We say, I have so much to do today that I can't pray like I want to. Martin Luther also said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. See how His thinking was different from ours. Is there any wonder he had the courage to stand against the Roman Catholic Church? We need prayer also to guard our minds. Now, now listen, you can look all spiffed up and and, and you can smile and, and, and all of that. And we ought to be pleasant. We ought to look good. But your mind left to itself is diabolical and wicked. What's going to help us guard This thing, which is our mind, we need to saturate our minds in prayer, pray without ceasing. You have to believe somebody's listening. It takes faith to really pray. Moses had this faith. Remember, God wanted to destroy the children of Israel and start over. And what happened? Moses prayed to God. And it changed the course of human history. Now, let that sink in. He prayed and a whole nation was preserved. 
That's the amazing thing about prayer. Now You have to be right with the one that's listening. And that might be the thing that keeps us distant from prayer. Is our heart is not right with the Lord. I'm asking you today in chapel, are you spiritual enough to take a look at a part of your life that really no one really knows about? Pray without ceasing. Continuing in prayer, the Bible says in Colossians 4 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Not your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. You, you, know, you know who the biggest liar you know is? Your own filthy heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We, who can know it? We don't even know everything that's going on in our heart. So don't trust your feelings. Don't doubt God's ability to answer your prayer. The Lord put something crazy on my heart a few years ago. And I went to our men. God had given us a building. We'd owe, we owed a mortgage on it. And compared to our size church, it was daunting. And it was a monthly expense that kept us away from doing more for missions and future church planning efforts in Chicago. And I said, men, I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to pray that somebody will pay off the mortgage on our building. And the men weren't very excited to hear that because like me, they didn't have the faith to believe that it could happen. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I asked them to pray with me. I don't know if they did or not, but I know this. A millionaire called me up one day and asked if he could come and sit down with me. He had heard about what happened in Chicago with Lori Lightfoot trying to shut down our church. And he asked if he could meet with me. OK, when a millionaire says he wants to meet with you, you say, absolutely. <laughs> And a uh, Christian businessman sat down and said, what can I do? What can I do? I showed him a bunch of repairs on the building that needed to be done, but I also showed him our church mortgage. And he said, that's it. Let's pay it off. Can you imagine how I felt that day? Just wrote a check. Can you imagine how I felt that day? Answer now, what's your church mortgage? I don't know. Now, again, not church mortgage, but what is your that thing? I'm telling you, God is real. He wants to help you with it. While very ill, John Knox, the founder of the church in Scotland, called his wife and said, read to me the scriptures where I first cast my anchor. And he listened to her read John 17, the great high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he heard the scriptures, he seemed to forget that he was dying. He forgot his weakness. He began to pray. He heard God's word and it set him to prayer on his deathbed. He started praying for others. He started praying for those that were persecuted. He started praying that had just uh, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, new Christians. And he requested protection from those that were under persecution. And as he prayed, his spirit went home to heaven. And this was the man of whom Queen Mary said, I fear his prayers more than I fear the armies of my enemies. Wow. On his deathbed, interceding for others. What's our excuse? The Bible says pray without ceasing. 
James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayer. You know that word fervent carries the idea in the original language of, of something that is hot and boiling over. Hot and boiling over. I can't read the word fervent in the New Testament and not think of a time when my wife was making homemade caramel on the stove and, you know, it all bubbles up and she turned the fire off and it, the bubbles died down. And I walked past and saw that there was fresh caramel on the stove. And so what did I do? Oh, man. Ah! <laughs> Instinct. Is your prayer life hot? Is it fervent? If it's not, it won't avail much. It's as simple as that. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to see God do some things. I still want to see him do some great things, particularly in Chicago. I've got a burden to see Chicago reseated with the gospel an independent Baptist church planting done all over the city. Through prayer, our church is still there. It's a rough place. I was sitting down just a couple of weeks ago in a restaurant eating with a guest speaker. And right by the window, a man took a hammer and started attacking a family. A hammer. He didn't know the family. The family was visiting from out of town. Just a crazy guy on the corner went loose. My assistant chased Jericho. You know Jericho? Jericho ran after the guy and caught him and uh, endangered his life, but caught the guy and, and held him till the police came. Just beating somebody with a hammer. Little girl come to the restaurant screaming, her mouth all busted up. That's Chicago. But I want to see God do some things in Chicago. And that battle won't be won by our plans and schemes. We need to work hard, and we do. Battle will be won through prayer. We need to pray. I love prayer. I love it. And he loves to answer prayer. Again, that's a good deal. I love to pray. He loves to answer prayer. You can't go wrong. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Where are you at today? I don't care how much prayer you have today, you need more. The Son of God went through awful pain to reconcile us to God that we might have that access. The stripping, the beating, that I might have access. Christians are to pray continually. Now, practically speaking, that doesn't mean that we can close our eyes, bow our heads, and be on our knees 24-7. That's talking about the postures of prayer, not prayer itself. Prayer is the communication with God. You can do this while washing dishes. You can do this while walking from this chapel to the next class. It is to live each minute on praying ground. The old timers used to talk about being on 
praying ground, meaning no matter what's going on in your life, you have the relationship with God where you can stop and pray and, and, and be heard. Are you on praying ground right now? Now, there is significant importance to our closet time, that time where we block the world out and focus on God. But there is the, the verse here. It's talking about moment by moment, everyday fellowship with God. Uh, it's, it's not very often I save the main points and exposition for the end of the message, but some things we can gather from this verse. Number one, the use of the voice is not an essential element in prayer. The use of the voice is not an essential element in prayer. Now, we ought to use our voice often in prayer. But I've been in many situations in life where I did not audibly use my voice to get a hold of God. Pray without ceasing. Secondly, the posture of prayer is not of primary importance. There are times when the Holy Spirit will lead you into a posture. I think we do that so much in a rote way. It's time to pray. Let me get down on my knees. It ought to be an awe for God, an awe for his power and majesty that drives us to our knees, bowing our heads out of respect. But the posture is not of primary importance. You can obey this command in any posture. Third, the place of prayer is not of great importance. How many of you have ever prayed on an airplane? Let this thing come back down safely, okay? (laughs) The place isn't important. The important thing is that we're on praying ground. Fourth, the particular time of prayer is not important. We have prayer meetings But that doesn't stop you from getting a hold of of, of a few students and saying, we need to have a prayer meeting about this. The time of the day is not important. And then five, a Christian should never be in a place where he could not pray. We've been given access. Each of you individually have a responsibility to come boldly unto the throne of grace. It's for your own benefit. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I pray that you would work in this invitation and that some good decisions about prayer would be made today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.